RCR with Paul Brennan, Reality Check Radio. Normally we have our political panel, as you know, on Friday mornings, and we have one Friday just gone, but we thought we would have another panel because of uh, what we found out on Friday afternoon, the special votes were counted, and now we kind of know uh, how things could run uh, in the setting up of a government. So we convened our political panel for Monday as well. I want to welcome Olivia Pearson. Hi, Good morning. Olivia. Good morning there, Paul. Nice to have you back. Thank you. Nice to be back. People have missed you. Oh, good. <laughs> Marty Gibson. I don't know if anyone missed you, Marty, but... Uh, oh, I'm, I, I miss did. Marty. <laughs> I miss Marty. No one who wrote in anyway. Okay. Oh, oh. And... Uh, and, uh, and nice to have you, Marty, and obviously Cam Slater in the house as well. Well, good, oh, good morning. Good morning. Uh, how do we feel on Monday morning? Fantastic. Always feel good on Monday mornings. <laughs> yeah, but particularly this this Monday morning. Well, you know, it's it's funny, funny old thing. You know, the media is sat there for three weeks, umming and ahhing. What if? What you know? Just beating themselves up, trying to annoy politicians before the special votes came in and the special votes came in and then they're just back to the normal, you know, routine attacking uh, people, uh, even though there's been no negotiations really started. Um, and, you know, stuff is the most hilarious one. You know, that little um, skinny guy from stuff McConnell, um, he was, uh, you know, chasing Winston Peters on Friday for comment on the special votes. And Winston just laughed at him. He said, you, you didn't want to talk to me before the election. Why do you want to talk to me now? And then just walked off. <laughs> and and then the stuff got all huffy and ran a thing. You know, Winston Peters abuses stuff journalists. <laughs> 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 you know, this Winston's having a, a great old time because what we've got now is a situation where it's not whether he's wanted, it's actually that he's needed. Yeah. And, and that just plays into his hands a hundred percent, and the media are falling for it. It's just hilarious. Anyone? They've been, they've been yeah. ghastly. Did you see that article Lloyd Burr wrote um, last week? Yeah, I mean, you could describe it as obtuse at first blush, but uh, it's more cynically manipulative when you start thinking about it, where he says, New Zealand first's 47 most interesting, and then he's got in brackets, and bizarre policies. And the first one that's bizarre apparently is... Um, it is um, that they require a national interest test to stop us being dictated to by the United Nations and agencies like the World Health Organization. Well, that's bizarre. How, <laughs> I don't think that's bizarre. I think that's sensible. fund any public participation in the World Economic Forum and related bodies where their deliberations intend the removal of independent democratic decision-making by sovereign nations. This is stuff that the media has resolutely refused to cover. And well, now do, do you just, think they uh, even know about it? Do you think they even have a clue that it actually exists? How would they not? They yeah, know, they, they know they about must it have. enough to astutely, uh, assiduously avoid talking about it. Yeah, that's right. It's militant avoidance, isn't it? So you know they yeah. know. Yeah. No, they know all right. They they know absolutely. And now they're sitting there shaking because their wish that Winston Peters would be marginalised has not happened. Exactly as actually what Reality Check Radio. Yeah, did we? Did we, we the Royal yeah, we, we? We predicted it. I right? could say, did we? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, we we called this, and we were saying, watch Winston, look at his policies, and uh, and they they just ignored it because they don't want Winston. It, it's the globalist media and political plot to marginalise someone who wants to stand up for their own country. 
That's bizarre. That's <laughs> that, and I mean, and Seymour's still running his yap, isn't he, about calling, uh, saying things that like uh, Peters is untrustworthy, that particular phrase, and um, he won't back down from it and reiterate it. And I just thought, you know, he's Winston's just had his position as kingmaker solidified by the voters. And Seymour can't be more classy and more statesmanlike than that. Over the weekend, I just thought that was um, really poor form. And I'm not surprised that Winston Peters has not returned his calls. Oh, well, that, that just shows that Seymour's an adult, really, not an adult, adult. Adult, yeah. Right? Because everybody knows that Winston Peters <clears throat> likes to do these things in person. He's not a person who sends text messages. He's not a person who... Um, you know, responds to text messages. For a start, he probably didn't even have David Seymour's number in his phone. So... Well, I think he said he didn't know who it was. He didn't that's know right. I mean, the only way you don't know who it is is if you don't have your num- their number in your phone. Yeah, right? a, a strange number coming through. So, so a strange number coming through. Hi, I'm David Seymour. It could have been any fool. Well, actually, it was. It was David Seymour. And, but- and, and, and Seymour, you know, said... Um, you know, what I said was still true. And unfortunately, you know, we now will do our best. And I thought, unfortunately, unfortunately for whom? For him. You know, mm. the voters, yeah, that's right, because the voters have spoken. Because what, what he's looking at, what he's staring I mean, David Seymour would have sat there on Friday night with his hands, hands holding his head, wondering how did it all go wrong? I was going to be Deputy Prime Minister and I was going to hold – all the cards and and Luxon was going to have to do what I wanted and you know all of these plans and things that they've they've planned out all in tatters because now they have to deal with Winston Peters and and we saw David Seymour marching his positions back faster than the French army on uh, on Friday or over the weekend when he was talking about oh well maybe we will just sit on the cross benches well if I was an act party voter I'd be aghast at that because, because mm-hmm. for two reasons, right? First up, you can actually have that as a very powerful position, but I don't believe the ACT Party's smart enough to defeat what will happen in the media. Where if he the first bit of legislation he holds up, the headlines will be that the tail's wagging the dog again, and and you can't get away from that, and it just marginalizes your supporters who said that. You, you said you were going to deliver all these things. And if you're sitting on the cross benches, you're not in any position any longer to even um, put le- legislation up uh, as a government bill. So you're having to do it as a private member's bill, which means your power on that's reduced. So so it's it's a nonsensical position to be in, but it's one that he you know, painted himself into that corner with his didn't own he, brush and his own paint. Didn't he Absolutely. say he wouldn't he wouldn't be in a cabinet with Winston at one point? But now he, I, I think I saw a comment saying, "Oh well, he probably would now." Yeah, he did. Yeah. Now he's going to all the over the show, and... isn't it? Not very well thought out. Well, well his his attitude to those agencies like the UN. I mean, I've heard him say this at public meetings: is they're, they're so inefficient and useless, you just don't have to worry about them. Well, we I don't do. know if you guys saw. Uh, <laughs> Kirsten Murphitt um, tweeted uh, an Official Information Act uh, request that she put in and got a reply um, that showed that we're already um, signed up to the international health regulations as of August last year. They agreed that Aotearoa New Zealand take binding treaty action by neither rejecting nor reserving against 
the amendments to the international health regulations referred to in paragraph two above. So you've got Winston saying he wants to get us out of that stuff that's never covered in the news. But once you start looking at it, it's bowel chillingly awful. Um, and uh, you've got um, David Seymour pretending that it doesn't exist. Well, the other thing is, of course, Winston Peters launched the Port Waikato um, campaign on the weekend, and that's one of the first things he said he's going to um, put a stop to. We've got till the 1st of December to say no to that. Mm. Uh, and he said, we're going to say no. Right. So, I mean, that, that's fantastic. I mean, is that another bizarre policy, you know, that, that Lloyd Burr would call bizarre? Well, it was number one on the list of bizarre policies. Well, there you go. Well, you know. There's a good reason for the voters in Port Waikato to say, mm, we need to stiffen the resolve of this government by um, making sure that Casey Costello's the uh, electorate MP, which means she comes off the list and then um, New Zealand First gets their number nine on the list. How into possible Parliament. is that? How possible is that? Well, anything's possible. It's politics. No, I know anything is. But, you know, once you seem to have had a bit of a bump and people understand what it means now with the kingmaker and them being in there th that adds more energy doesn't it to someone's campaign well, well you know i think it does because if new zealand first can tell the voters of port waikato that okay casey's already an mp but we'd like you to be your mp but that will mean we can bring our number nine on the list into parliament and he's got really good credentials that will help in you know ministries like uh, finance and commerce and those sorts of things that's a, a, a plus plus uh, presentation to the electorate. Whereas what Nationals got to say is, well, Andrew Bailey's already an MP, he's on the list, and he'll stay there, and it won't, and it'll bring in some numpty further down, because that's what Nationals got—a bunch of numpties. Well, who can't say anything independently? Yeah. Well, no, they can't. We've seen that. We saw Chris Bishop get shut down. But, yeah, we saw Chris Bishop make a, a actually perfect statement. Uh, about the situation in Israel, and, and then here comes Luxon and stomps all over him and says, "Oh no, we can't say that." Oh, it's disgusting. Yeah, you know, honestly, spineless globalist, mm. yeah. you know, anti-Israel um, stance from Christopher Luxon. Yeah, but yeah. he's got a track record of of Weasley. muzzling his people. Maureen yeah, yeah. the woke always do. One. And who was the most the one before the the, the most recent case? There was another one, I think. So. Okay. What about um, um, Winston um, early on dealing, what, to the media, the Maori seats, and, of course, the therapeutic products? Bill, I was at a function over the weekend where there is so much hope that that will be undone. Uh, do you mean the Maori seats in particular? No, well, I'm sorry, I should have, should, should have been more specific. The therapeutic products, Bill, or ACT, mm. is the one that... Um, yeah, so yeah. Winston's always been opposed anyway. to that. He he stopped it twice before. Twice. Yeah. So um, you know, I think the, there should be some hope there. Uh, much and all as I don't like hopium, but I think you know he's well, well, he, came, he went to that. all the meetings. He said he would do it. Yeah, he, he and he's he can put he can make that because I mean the reality is that it's a, no skin off Nationals' nose or Axe nose to say no to that. Well, isn't, isn't it, though? I mean, remember, whenever he's talking about how good it is to have a strong economy, the first thing out of Seymour's mouth is always, it means you get good uh, pharmaceuticals. And yeah. I was thinking, oh, 
pretty far down the list of loosen up the GMO regulations at the same time. Yeah, yeah. And, and you know that that moment uh, where he you, you just saw that moment of steely determination during that infamous Jack Tame article when he says, you know, I'm going to make a point of being minister of of um, uh, was it broadcasting? Broadcasting, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and that's um, that's going to really be interesting because the the media have been so treasonously asleep at the wheel over the Therapeutic Goods Act, over the WHO treaty, you name it, and uh, and you can imagine they'll just be um, they'll be filling their pants. Well, what do you think the, the government uh, media organisations will do because they're directly potentially in a firing line here. you got TVNZ, you got RNZ. They've um, been beating a particular drum this long, and now it's like, oh, back up the truck. Uh, well, well they're doubling down at the stage. Yeah, well, I mean, I've heard that that National is quite kind of keen on uh, giving broadcasting to New Zealand first. And uh, if that's the case, then I think what we could see uh, is that TVNZ will probably be sold off uh, there's no need to have, you know, a, a state. Who would property. buy it? Uh, who cares? Who'd throw it, the it, money? It, it, it doesn't matter. Who, no, right? no. Well, maybe Ask no one will. Radio New Zealand That's will be art. retained um, so that there's always a, a public interest broadcaster that can be used in emergencies and those sorts of things. When, when the weather's bad. Yeah. And yeah. and I can see uh, a little bit of media Utu crawling out here where – New Zealand first, you know, says as part of the negotiations to Luxon, hey guys, have we looked at all this, you know, um, advertising from government agencies that's being poured into the print media, it's being poured in, you know, billboards, it's being poured into radio, it's being poured into TV. Let's just have a moratorium on all advertising from the government, unless it's really, really, really important. And if it is really, really, really important, then we'll make them carry it for free. But let's just stop all of that and have a stock take and get all the heads of departments in and get make them justify all these things. Because, I mean, you think about some of the ads. You know, there's the, the, the ads on the radio about watching out for motorcycles. How many lives has that saved? You know, can they quantify it? They've spent millions of dollars on it. There's, you know, ads for um, flu jabs. There's ads for shingles jabs. There's ads for all of these things. Shingles? Can, Okay. Yeah, absolutely. It's on the radio ones. all the time. If you drive around and not listening to reality check radio like a treasonous person, you know. it's not a great listening experience. <laughs> hearing a you know a whole sort of um, roll call of like, shingles and the flu. Well, <laughs> Pfizer's advertising as well now on on the radio. Oh, okay, you know, and then it's got some simpering, probably got a man bun, sort of weak half man. Going, oh no, I don't know if I've got the flu. It might be, it might be COVID. Should I test? Well, if you'd got the Pfizer uh, booster that uh, was joined in with the flu jab, you wouldn't have this problem. It's just lecturing again. Uh, That's why you're seeing all these idiots driving around with masks on now. You're not well, wrong. I mean, and notice the um, Maori, the Tapati Maori, going on about if the government wants to touch any of the laws, they're going to have to deal with the consequences. What so do they mean by that? Well, they're making threats. It will have the uprising of the hikoi of all hikoi, said Naru. Nariwa Packer and Willie Jackson has reiterated the same thing. And well, I his mean, was see- worse. Willie Jackson was worse. He said it's going to be five times. I don't know how he can be quite precise on that, but five times <laughs> five the 10. prophecy. Oh, okay, five to ten times bigger than 
than the Springbok Tour uh, riot and yep. violence and well, that's pretty big because pro- I was there so, for that. Yeah, you have a look at at, at the the old shots, you know, from the from TV or from from the you know, print media. There's cars overturned. There's things being smashed. Uh, there's you know helmets and riots and all sorts of things like that happening. And he's saying it's going to be five to ten times bigger than well, that's that's intimidation. If that's can, that 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 is the thug's veto that that, they're that's threatening. Reckless. That's reckless. To, yeah, to and now that. we're going to see more of it when radical Maori MPs threaten to subvert everything in this way because that's what that is. Um, a threat to subvert democracy whilst riding in on Maori electorates and seats um, where only Maori can vote for them, you know, and they have six out of the seven seats. Um, anything like the the, the the foreshore and seabed issue or um, the, the, the Maori seats or anything to do with the treaty, they're just going to keep doing this. It makes them all go all crazy eyes. And then the radicals push it, and then you get these threats coming through of, you know, violent protests and hikoi's. Um, And this is exactly what they did to Ju- Julian Batchelor, of course, um, you know, who actually calls for a return to the original treaty document that was translated from Maori to English, you know. Um, but look at the threats of violence toward him and the protests when he just wanted to go and speak. But I'm really sick of this thug's veto, but I know we're going to see more of it. Um, and what's really silly about it is that Maori are only, what, 13, 14% of our population. 13.7. Yet they have, you know, about 28%. 26. Representation in our <laughs> Close parliament, enough. right? Close enough. Yeah. Um, I'm just looking at David Farrer's article about this on Kiwi Blog. And, um, oh, yeah. said there's 32 Maori MPs, right? So 26% of parliament, which is twice the adult population who are Maori. Yeah. And it gets more interesting when you look at the breakdown by the six parties that are in Parliament. So Labour has nine MPs out of 34, which is 26%. Uh, Greens have six out of 15, which is 40% Maori. Uh, to Party Maori, of course, is 100%. National has five Maori MPs, which is about 10%. Uh, and they all won theirs in general seats. New Zealand First has four out of the eight, so 50% Maori, and ACT has three out of 11, 27% Maori. So, so, a, so they're overrepresented yeah, in Parliament easily. Yeah, but but we're not allowed to say that. But but this is this is actually fantastic because they're, they're not all in to party Maori and they're not all in Labour, right? No. So so you've got uh, a representation on in all political parties that is close or exceeding the uh, population. And you have to really question now, do we really need to have these seven Maori seats? Well, how could you argue for them? How could anyone argue for them on on that basis? Well, they were always supposed to be temporary. I mean, that's how Mm. they were formed, to to be temporary so that they they could introduce Maori to democracy uh, so that they could be in uh, have a franchise. Well, that's demonstrably true now. they're, They're enfranchised more than they're disenfranchised. So who are the ones who go nuts? Well, it, it's it's got a parallel to the Islamic sacred anger. You know, it's a duty to overreact, and, yeah. and that's intimidatory uh, tactic. But I noticed Willie J- uh, Jackson uh, presents it as a referendum on the treaty rather than a referendum yeah. on the principles of the tre- treaty that Jeffrey Palmer introduced in the 80s, saying it was just window dressing and 
it was meaningless and then activist judges gave it meaning. And, uh, you know, if you look at the comments under, under the Facebook posts about this kind of thing, you see people claiming that it's going to take away civil rights and the, what, what your average uh, Maori who's not that educated thinks is going to happen or, or thinks it's about isn't what it's about, and it's quite deliberate. Just as it's probably quite deliberate that they let Maori educational standards remain so low because it plays into their hand to have people they can herd around. Yeah, I mean it's it's that it's that bigotry of low expectations, right? That's that's how they do it, and that's the narrative they keep pushing, which is um, insulting to Maori, I think. And I just want to see fair, competent, fair-minded Kiwis of all creeds and races just get on with it, um, you know. And all of the political system needs to be up for the political free market, including the Maori seats. It's that simple. Do we have the resources to deal with violence that breaks out relating to this if people gin it up? Because, you know, there are quite a few people out there with weapons still. Well, and, uh, it's not about resources, though. It's about will. Well, it, well, anger. Anger, I mean, you see. No, 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 describes it as a powder keg, but the real powder keg are white folks. You know, we don't tend to do war dances. It just kind of goes well, off. Well, this is what I'm saying. Can we handle it? Are our police up to it? Is there a, a well, can, strong enough security it. agency and backbone in New Zealand to deal with people who go off the rails? It's with the Maori leadership. Do they think of the gangs as their warriors? Well, they could do. I, think I don't they need to stay peaceful like every other protester or else they get shut down. That's that's how it has to work. Well, but they you don't, might have to go to extreme lengths to shut certain people down. It might not just be a persuasion effort so much. Well, I mean, you know, this is the problem is that whenever the debate happens or even a discussion, what they do is get intimidatory around that, about just discussing the ideas. Because otherwise we would have to assume this is a possibility and deal and think accordingly, wouldn't we? But the, other yeah, the problem is vast the majority of the Kiwis. The police have shown an unwillingness to to intervene in anything that's contentious. I mean, they didn't do anything to protect Posey Parker when there was clear threats of, what I'm thinking. of violence. Uh, they uh, they go and, and escort gang members, uh, you know, when they're doing their you know, so-called uh, funerals, you know, where, where they have hundreds of people on motorbikes intimidating you. What do they do? They escort them through. They don't try and stop it or they don't try to do anything about it. And we've had threats too as, oh, you know, if National brings in their gang patch policy, um, you know, you're going to see riots at funerals. I mean, this is the sort of stuff that they talk about. So mm. I don't think the police have got the uh, the wherewithal to do it or the spine. That you know, if it comes to cracking heads of you know campers who aren't doing anything other than sleeping, well, yeah, they're in for that big time. Let's bring out the tear gas, you know, the uh, riot shields, yeah. the helmets, the batons, and the weapons. sonic weapons. Yep. Yeah, yeah, sonic weapons. Let's do that because you know they, they're not going to fight back. So we'll just. I, I think these the are fair enough questions, you know. Um, but if there's well, any hard policing, they're nowhere to be seen. Governments love anything that makes people demand less freedom and more government. So, you know, you, you could sort of present it in, it as them just being weak, not uh, enforcing the law, but that sort of civil unrest makes people demand less freedom. Yeah. It, it suits them just fine. But, I mean... 
this undue entitlement on the basis of race, it has to stop. It's wrong. It's un, it's undemocratic and it's actually, well, it's, I was going to say it's un-Kiwi, but it's become Kiwi because they've become a fixture. But, you know, you... You, you want people, the best person to run, and you want um, them to win on merit, just like the rest of the political system and electorates work. Um, you betcha they'll turn on the hikoi of hikois. Uh, Māori mm. will do that, especially gender. Mother of all hikois. Mother of all hikois. But, I mean, that gets gymmed up, gymmed up by the cabal leaders, doesn't it, the, the iwis, and especially to Pāti Māori. But... Um, and they'll bask in the drama of um, a big hikoi like that, but they better keep it peaceful um, because the discussions and the debates need to be had. And crying racist as a way to shut down debate has just worn, it's worn thin. Shouldn't people like, um, sorry, I was going to say Willie Jackson, obviously his message, no one's buying it. So maybe admit failure and go off into the sunset, do something else, maybe. Well, you need the you need people like Winston and Seymour to um, bring these discussions up and state what they want to do. I mean, if they want to walk back the Maori seats, start having those conversations now. But the, well, we when also, in government, we, we also need the media to step up. But I don't have any hope of that. I'm, I'm just reading an article on stuff this morning, talking about the launch of of you know the campaign in Port Waikato. Get this right. This is what this is what this snotty little journalist Amberly Jack says in the middle of the article, and, and, and this tells you everything you need to know about the media, it says here, as the time neared for the kingmaker's arrival, all in quotes, the room filled quickly, more turned up than anticipated, more plastic chairs were brought in. One young teen stood out amongst the crowd. His hair was one of the few that retained its natural melanin. Oh, God. Right? So what... Who is that journalist? <laughs> Amberly Jack. That's what she's written about a meeting. What she's saying is there was a whole lot of grey-haired people. That, and yeah, yeah, ageist. Right? Ageist yeah. and <laughs> sitting there. But how can we... How old would she be? 23, 24, something like well, that? Well, it's, it's all the writing of a 12-year-old, really. But how can we expect to have a debate or even uh, raise the possibility of a debate when you've got media like that that are writing off the people who are prepared to have the debate with idiots. I mean, here's the next thing, right? Conversations amongst the gathered centred around key issues, criminals, COVID, and idiots. Oh, really? Idiots? Honestly. <laughs> you know, this is ridiculous. It's so contemptuous, isn't it? Oh, another what? woman brought her 16-year-old Yorkshire Terrier dog to meet Peters. This is... This is banal. It's puerile. It's ridiculous. Yeah. And this is this is a a, a, a media organisation that pronounces at the bottom of it, of its article, whatever your politics, we can all agree New Zealand is better off when Kiwis are well informed. Our reporters work relentlessly yeah, to scrutinise how the government represents you. Oh, oh, I'm, I'm going to bring up my uh, breakfast if you go any further with it. You can, yeah, sorry. Um, exactly. You're going to stop you right there. It's, how can we have sensible grown-up debates? Well, about there's no grown-up like, there. That's right. The media aren't grown-up. They're pure. Well, i got to say, there's a lot of young women doing this sort of reporting, just saying. Okay, Coalition Collie begins Browning as National Act. NZ First Talks drag on. I think... Well, You've highlighted this headline, one. Marty. Um, 
Collie well, is yeah, that jumped out at me as just <laughs> illustrative of what Cam's talking about. You know, the, the News Hub have got a, a coalition cauliflower that they've got live streaming. And uh, the idea is that it starts well, to brown. Sorry, is that something that's been done before? I don't ever recall there ever being a collie. It was done in the UK. It was a lettuce. And oh, so, 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 so what we've got is these fools at News Hub. Let's have a, let's have an idea. Let's do what we what they did in the UK. I know we won't use a lettuce. Yeah, you know, we'll we'll use a cauliflower because collie goes with coalition. Coalition Carly. Oh, sorry, sorry, Marty. Carry on. Well, it's interesting how they represent a constructive process. You know, putting a coalition together as an entropic thing. You know, something that's moving towards a lower level of complexity, and it's. I mean, it's just all part of that Luciferian fixation on inversion. You know, they, yeah. It's something we've seen a lot of over the past six years. You know, the government inverted the <clears> usual <throat> state where politics is downstream by culture by making politics upstream from culture and, and said it. They, you know, inverted the thing that normally where when the economy gets stronger, wages rise, and they figured, well, let's wage, rise wages and it'll fix the economy. It's It's just... But yeah, I mean, it's just, I guess, all part of what we've been talking about in terms of how the media's failed us. They're just all interviewing their keyboards. and um, Well, they're butthurt, aren't they? They sound butthurt. Not as butthurt as they're going to be. Oh, yes, more to come. <laughs> Great. Well, good. You know, I mean, it's so puerile. It needs to just end this kind of, it's not even media. That's it's why the- I think that, that, you know, Winston Peters should sit down and say to David Seymour, and uh, and Christopher Luxon, right, let's knife the media. And the best way we can knife that is withdraw the funding that we give them by paying for advertising. Shouldn't and- there be some standards that they are, you know, sort of like body slammed into adhering to now? Well, there are standards, but they're, they're that you can only, you can have to represent any climate changes caused by anthropogenic CO2, and you have to uh, frame your stories as New Zealand's a racist country that disadvantages Māori, and there are principles in the treaty. So there are already standards there to get funding. <laughs> no, I, I uh, think I think the only standards we need is the is the um, you know the vote of the public that buy the, this media, right? So you take away the government funding from them in any form. And let them stand on, you know, sell their their wares now that they're no longer propped up by the government in any way, shape, or form. Uh, sell their wares to the general public, and you, I think you'll see a whole lot of media companies fall yeah. over. And who's then, buying? Who's buying? Well, it doesn't matter. They'll fall over, right? So they'll fall over. Well, the point is, I don't think many people are buying because no, this right. change also this change also highlights a, a whole lot of a whole lot of other potential changes. That's one of them. Mm. And then if they fall over, you know, nature abhors a vacuum. Uh, the market will provide. There'll be alternatives that will be created, and they will have seen the lesson of what happens when you abandon your audience. A lot of those journalists, though, will struggle because they've been in a in an alternate reality of journalism. Just just let me um, dry that little tear. <laughs> okay. Boo hoo. Anyway, the, those student loans. Think of those student loans. Well, you know, they can go work in a pack house. They'll meet some real people. It'll probably be good for them. It's more meaningful. Drive a truck. Yeah. <laughs> or an Uber. 
Christopher Luxon says National Caucus is not ethnically diverse because of a poor election result. Yeah, I mean, there's another one from Stuff, and it's why did he even answer it? Why didn't he just say um, the voters have spoken? Well, he didn't just answer it. He did the old uh, Basil Fawlty. Who's a naughty soup. boy? Weird um, soup. Weird yeah, soup. He, he, he said it um, was because they've had a poor uh, election result. And this has been more journalists interviewing their keyboards. Last week it was um, it was not enough Pacifica people. And, you know, we've seen the the one, ironically, the one uh, Pacifica candidate who almost won, uh, the Rarotongan Angie Nicholas, was edged out by Phil frickin' Pākehā Twyford. Yeah, I, I mean, think- this is the thing, you know, the... the- we are, are seeing puerile journalists that are coming up with these diversity things, but the easiest way to defeat that, and, and, and it beggars belief that Luxon hasn't been told this, is just ignore their questions on this. Don't talk about it. Just say the voters have spoken. The voters have said that they want a, a national act, a New Zealand first government, and they've seen our list of candidates, and they voted us to be the government. We don't need to uh, have hand-wringing from journalists about whether they're diverse or not and carry this on, you know, and make us select people that are a different colour or a different, you know, hue of some sort. People have, have voted. They've decided that, yep, that's that's what we want. We want blue, yellow and black. That's what we want. We're sick of red, green and, and whatever the I actually interviewed a, an Indian woman about this, my, my wife, um, and said, yeah, How, how'd that if, go, Marty? That would have taken some organization. Uh, well, I asked her if she felt uh offended that there were no uh Indian uh uh MPs in the national intake, and her reply was expletive, no. <laughs> I yeah. mean, I don't even know that they're good. I mean, look at the last couple, Aisha Verrill and that other dude in Hamilton East. Um, you know, I just I just want people to be competent and honest. Yeah, and I don't think Indians are. That, I actually uh, think Gaurav Sharma was competent and honest. That were, that's why he got driven out of the Labour Party. Yeah, probably. But I think you know people don't realise either how diverse India is. It's more diverse than Europe. Yeah, there's, you know, there's, it's there's countries within that place, and, well, and Tamils aren't Sikhs, and Sikhs aren't. Well, and then you've no. then you've got the three dimensions of castes within that. You know, so so that's. Um, but yeah. I mean, all of this can you know if Luxon's an idiot because is he aware that after Don Brash made the Oriwa speech, the famous one law for all speech, mm. that was hugely popular right around yeah. the country, especially for the National Party. That's the tack they need to stay on, you know, the, um, and and just keep keep up the one law for all um, narrative because that's where we need to get to. And, uh, you know, we, this reverse racism that's in play is just painful and it leads to all these dumb articles in the media about well, lack of diversity. Why do you diversity. think he feels he, he needs to say these things when he really doesn't for his support, does he? Is this the hangover from being a corporate leader? From being a wokey. Show? To show woke he's tendencies. so woke. I mean, he's wetter than an otter's pocket. And mm. that's just the bottom line. Is Christopher Luxon is woke and wet. And so so he's just just begging to be set up on this. And it's easy because he falls into it every single time. Isn't he a, a serious but, Christian though? Well he, I don't I think he denied uh, no. that. 
No, no, but, he's I mean, not a even, serious Christian. Because anyone who's Toby, a serious Christian will actually say, "Yes, I'm a Christian," but he goes, "Oh no, I'm well, that's that why that I, I was. I'm not that kind of curious. Christian. Oh no, I don't go there anymore. Oh no, I don't go to church anymore. You know, it's weak. And anyone who is a Christian uh, will say it out loud. He'd have a lifetime photo club of, um, membership too, wouldn't he? Well, I don't know, Cam. There's civilizational Christians, and like me, you know, we're Christian, but not in the sense that a lot of people. Think. You just said it out loud, so you know you haven't denied it. Go, Marty. <laughs> As I mentioned before, I, th- I think um, there's a fair bit of David Brent in Christopher Luxon, <laughs> and he actually um, reminded me in saying that of Ricky Gervais when he did the um, the Golden Globes in 2020, and he said uh, the show was going to do an in memoriam this year, but when I saw the list of who died, it wasn't diverse enough. <laughs> it was mostly white people, and I thought, nah. Not on my watch. Maybe <laughs> Let's see what happens. <laughs> but you're right. He does remind me of David Brent. You know, there's that famous scene where they're all in the, concerned in the office about they're going to lose their jobs. And he goes, oh, well, look, um, well, look I really can't say, but um, you're okay. You're okay. You're okay. <laughs> this is bypasses somebody. It's just like him. Was that the episode where he uh, someone made uh, made his um, him the godfather of their child, and then he then he fired them? (laughs) Oh well. Okay. Anything more to say about uh, Mr. Well, when it comes to one law for all, and you know a level playing field across race in this country, even To Henare agreed with the Oriwa speech when Don Brand Brash made it. So he's Even jumping t- up and down that there's no, um, you know, Barry seat. seats for Auckland. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it, and again, totally being like yeah. Willie, you know, sort of kind of in a threatening way. Saying I, think that, I, th- I think that's just Tohenere um, feeling a distinct lack he's of bullhead, man. income. <laughs> <laughs> no, just a distinct lack of um, relevance. And so yeah. he's never been more relevant than when he was, you know, overtly racist. Yeah. It'll be good, uh, Winston, being there to basically just say "fakara," which is Maori for "wake up." Mm. Um, <laughs> I thought you were going to say something else. That. Yeah, no, yeah. It's, it's useful. You can just sort of, if anyone moans about you swearing, you can just accuse them of being racist. I'm saying to get the hang of this. It's like Wonder Woman bracelets. <laughs> but, All right. Uh, yeah, what about but, the Greens and? Oh, okay, the um, the positions people have taken, and this is controversial, but. Uh, Re um, Israel. Well, you know, well, I mean, I have, you noticed, <clears throat> have you noticed? Have um, when the Greens, I, I don't know, they've got the the, the dangerous Marxist, full throated, self race righteous bullshit that resembles the unmistakable, glazy eyed lust of a whole system to loot. Throw onto that, um, they've got that same glazy eyed, crazy when it comes to um, their support for what they say is the Palestinians, but what they're supporting is the terror group Hamas. That's what they're supporting. And, you know, that chant from the river to the sea, Palestine will be free. They're talking about the Jordan River to the Mediterranean, which is full of Israelis. And they want a so-called free Palestine with no Jews in it. It is an absolutely genocidal call from the river to the sea. And note the absolute self-righteousness in which the Greens do it. Chloe Schwalbrick 
and those people are super dangerous. They're so dangerous. And sure, it's controversial. This issue is controversial, Paul, and it's always going to be, but it's becoming more controversial because it absolutely is splitting the world apart and has the potential to fly into World War III, unlike Ukraine, which never did, really. Hmm. Um, This one does. And, you know, you've got the Palestinian Authority, which, you know, controlled the West Bank and Gaza is controlled more in a, in, a, in a de facto way, even though they were elected by 44% of their people, which is a lot. So a lot of Palestinians support Hamas. Um, but, you know, the they were always an Islamist movement that called for an Islamic state. That's what Hamas has called for since its inception, an Islamic state. So they are no different than ISIS. It's not just an Islamic state, um, Olivia. Let's be absolutely clear on this. Hamas's charter and Hamas are the elected leaders of of Gaza. uh, Is to eradicate Israel. Is to to eradicate Israel and all Jews. Yeah. Right? It is genocidal in their charter, and that's what they were voted in uh, in 2007. That's what they were voted in for. And, you know, they talk about, you know, from the river to the sea, Palestine will be free. We know now know we are in no doubt what that actually means if you let Palestinians into Israel to take over. It means mass slaughter of Jews. We saw that on October the 7th. There is no doubt anymore that there will be never will be a peaceful resolution to this. It can only be a military solution to this. And, happening as we speak, and we've got these lunatics in the greens. You know, and, and you know, you know what's funny is a, a sopping wet lefty like Phil Twyford was at exactly the same uh, uh, protest and was booed off the stage because he dared to denounce the deaths of Israeli. I, wasn't that shocking? And right. and this, this is again how crazy eyed these people are. That, that he could not, I mean, he wasn't even making a radical statement. He was just trying to do a balanced one. Yes. It, it, um, was, it was a reasoned and balanced, and yet he was um, booed, harangued, uh, essentially dragged off the stage. Uh, and, you know, he volunteered to go. Uh, yeah, very end, quickly. And very quickly because mm. things were getting ugly for yeah. him. Uh, yep. All because he said that, you know, the the terror attack on 1,400 plus uh, Israel was actually thousands of Israelis, all those uh, villages, kibbutzes, uh, even Stirot, you know, which is a reasonably sized town, uh, totally attacked, invaded by a bunch of bloodthirsty uh, animals intent on rape, pillage, uh, murder, torture. Murder of children, little ones, all the time. I mean, it's just disgusting. A, a lot of what has been chanted here, though, will be by people who really don't know what the hell they're chanting. No, and they don't yeah. know what they're talking about because just on the weekend... Which yeah, makes them more dangerous, doesn't it? Yeah, on the weekend at Shifa Hospital in Gaza, they had big screens erected by Hamas. Mm. There was tens of thousands of people in at Shifa Hospital to watch. Yeah, lots of electricity working yeah. in Gaza. Yeah. But but you know what they were watching? They were watching Slaughter. The, the body cams and the and the recordings of the Hamas operatives yeah. slaughtering, yeah. and they're all cheering and cheering. going and carrying on like a snuff movie. Play. The reason that, that's why they exactly held what it they did she- on the first night. Yeah, and the reason happened. why they held that at Shifa Hospital is because they knew they wouldn't get bombed. 
Yeah. Okay. Well, but back here, um, and people who sort of get out and stridently chant things without knowing what they're saying is. Well, it's the same strand of, of human darkness in a, in a way. As, as I said before, there's that uh, sacred anger and there's the intense tribalism. Um, but these, it, these, these young people, are, uh, I'm picking them mostly young people, are all from luxurious backgrounds compared to you, anything over there. Have you seen that YouTube there? where someone signs, is signing people up to support uh, Hamas? Yes. And, yeah, uh, have, yeah. And he runs through. Right. I think you things. might have shared it, actually. On, I, I did, and yeah, um, right. yeah I've seen it's it. brilliant. And I know that was actually on Fox News uh, yesterday as well. They're yeah. playing that, and I'm really glad they are. But this this conflict, you know, it's at the very heart of civilization. That's where it goes to because the Middle That's why East it's so dangerous. Yeah, it's the cradle of civilization itself, the Middle East. Um, it's the Holy Land, and everyone cares about it because of the three Abrahamic faiths. Um, each one for millennia believing that they are the only true one faith. Um, at least over half of it is good old-fashioned superstition and the other half is um, something that also holds the binding values that faith, family and tradition have built over time as a foundation for so many people's lives. Um, <clears throat> Israel is at the centre of this and and this is why it is so controversial. I and, mean, and the US is depleted on its um, war stocks because they've been giving it away. To yeah, but I noticed the Valencia new Speaker of mates. the House, Mike Johnson, is, um, you know, he's going to be pushing to support Israel all the way. And I never agree. Yeah, but they don't have the industrial capacity to ramp that up. That's hollow talk. Um, I don't think it is that hollow. What they'll, they'll do is um, they'll rejig. I mean, money will stop going to the Ukraine. I think it already has. Yeah, but it takes 18 months to ramp up production to any significant scale. So they're actually in a tough situation. And yeah, it's not got, like it was in the 90s where if you had Israel and America. In the Mediterranean, which are sitting ducks. Well, they've got 7 million people have come across the border since Biden was elected. Oh, shocking and, you know, No one knows how many of them are Hamas or Many. Iranian. And then you've got all the European countries that have got the enemy within, if you want to see it yeah. that way. So yeah. you better tread carefully, guys. But, yeah, but they have to because if they don't, if Israel falls, the West falls. The West might be... On the way to I mean, falling you're anyway. looking at the, the the awful awful views that we're seeing out of London, uh, seeing in Berlin, yeah. seeing in in France. You know, a, a woman stabbed in her house in in Paris uh, simply for being a Jew. Swastikas spray painted on no, her house. We get it. I get it. Right? Um, the West is in dire, but we're, dire the West trouble. is in no position. But they're in trouble, and it, you have to fight. Trouble oh, they're of your in trouble, own making. right? And trouble of your own making. Yeah, yeah, that's right. I mean, they've been so liberal with their um, moving the third world into the first, and now the you first. You think Russia are going to be third. ready to play ball, considering what they've been put through? Russia. Yeah. I don't know Russia's stance on this because uh, you know. Well, Putin, they support Iran. Well, I, I know they do, but they. But they, I, I don't think they'll go to war for Iran. But they, I mean, they're going to do proxy things, and they're busy with the Ukraine anyway. That'll be Iran. They could wipe out the Ukraine of... tomorrow in one day if they wanted to. But well, Russia have... does not tolerate um, Islamic terrorism inside its borders. I mean, Putin cracks down extremely hard on that. Yeah, but if you see the U.S. as the hegemony risk of of, of existential threat to your the motherland, then yeah, oh, look, it's it's going to be a. a 
an absolute cluster bomb. It, it but, but why is. is everybody criticizing Iran? I mean, you know, they're the head of the United Nations uh, Human Rights Council now. I mean, <laughs> yeah. they're paragons of virtue, aren't they? Yeah, but they got 89 <laughs> million people. This is human the rights. Yeah, a look, serious it's... player. Pakistan's got nuclear weapons with a hundred and whatever, 30 million. I mean, these are Turkey. Look at Erdogan in front of almost a million people. Well, they're the wild card, aren't they, in this whole thing is where Turkey fall because they are not particularly friendly to Israel. And Well, not at all if you look at what he said. No, I mean they they will side with um, Iran, and but 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 it's dividing the whole Arab world because the, the one of the Saudi princes came out the other day and said that, um, you know they they are actually lending their support to what Israel are doing with Hamas. They the Saudis don't want Hamas. Of course, uh, that, this is that, a Shia because they destabilize everything. It's a Shia Sunni argument, right? This is what people think. They think, oh yeah, well, all these countries around here and. They'll be backing, you know, what Hamas is doing. They're not, because Hamas is being, is backed by the Shia, by by Iran, and so they're just not going to do it. And like you look at the Lebanese government, they're sitting there going, "Oh no, we're squeezed here because they've got Hezbollah in between them and Israel." Yeah, right? and, and they're worse than Hamas. They're worse than Hamas. They've got more rockets for a start. Yeah. You know, there's a reason why the Israelis are sitting there on the border and pounding the, the crap out of Hezbollah, but. You, you, you've got all of those uh, Gulf states. None of them are Shia. They're all Sunni. Yeah, but yeah. sometimes enemies will come together if they perceive there's a greater enemy. So Yeah, well, which is the Shiite enemy, enemy in Iran. That's what Cam's talking about, right? That's what but, I'm talking but, about. Yeah, but, but, I mean, it makes no, the but the Sunnis war. and the Shias could, Shia, no, Shia. could come they, together in the end. Because but but, but how won't. toxic is this scenario, though? You've got Turkey there, which, and remember, Turkey yeah. financially backed ISIS by buying all their oil. Yeah. Um, they're helping Hamas, um, plus they're a NATO ally. Yeah, that's crazy. I mean, what a toxic, toxic mix. And Erdogan is hostile to, um, to the Israelis and the whole idea of the Israeli state. Um, since they're Ottomans, and um, and the Ottoman Empire was always coined the sick man of Europe. Um, they're not so sick now. I mean, they've got a very, very strong military. Um, and all these weapons have flowed, and of course, um, you know, is, Iran have facilitated all these weapons down into... Biden's facilitated. He gave them yeah. $9 billion. Yeah, so that's and what left I was all the say. $80 billion is, worth yeah, in they Afghanistan. came from Afghanistan, right? Nice. All the material. You see why I did it now? See why he yeah. did it. Okay, look, um, we're just coming up, against, we're coming up against time. So I guess the last back to um, local, and that kind of was sort of started off local. Um, how long will it take? How long as do we long, think it will take to get this government, you know, sorted out? And as long as it takes. Well, okay, that's not a that's not an answer. <sighs> well, it's how it long two weeks, three weeks, a month. You I know, reckon. I reckon by Friday. We'll have an idea on the shape of it by Friday. It'll take another week or so to iron out the things. It depends how petulant um, David Seymour is. Mm. You know, he's talking and threatening the crossbenchers. Winston will be rubbing his hands with glee with that sort of talk. You know, Winston's looking like a statesman. David Seymour's looking like a child. And Luxon's having to deal with with it all. So well, he won't um, be able to shut Lin, um, Winston down like his colleagues. Like, oh, we can't say that. No, that's right. No. That. Won't get away and with and it. That'll, that'll be terrifying, both Luxon and Seymour. You if know, we make some, some stuff yeah. around the WHO. Yeah. It, it seems, you know, as as uh, Lloyd Burr said, it seems bizarre, but it potentially could be a sticking point. And, um, and also, doesn't doesn't um, Winston Winston supports Israel? Doesn't he? 
Absolutely. Yeah. All right. So there's but another issue. Might be so to see more. If you want predictions for portfolios, I reckon yep. uh, Winston Peters is Attorney General. Really? Really? Yeah. He's got a bit of U2 to deal with thing, uh, a few things around, uh, particularly the serious fraud office and things like that. So I being the being out. the top lawyer, and he's also Attorney General gets to say whether or not legislation is in line with our Bill of Rights, et cetera. Ah, so, okay. So you know, that's, that's a good, yeah. That's a good thing. He's qualified. He's a lawyer. Uh, I can see, I know, well, I happen to know that Ash, National's seriously thinking about broadcasting for New Zealand first, and I think we'll see Shane Jones as energy minister so we can wallop the Greens and get our mining and uh, you know energy industry. And the only other thing that I think New Zealand first will go after is something like commerce where they can you know, wallop the petrol, the, the fuel companies, the supermarkets and the banks uh, for the next three years, and that, that will ensure their re-election in three years' time. Who do, you think Cam will get, who do you think will get foreign affairs? Hmm. Uh, I'm pretty sure Winston's not interested in foreign affairs. I mean, Well, you can't do much, can you, if you're out doing all that all the time? Well, no, and, it, you know, maybe, I mean, they're talking about Jerry Brownlee. Uh, really? Is he healthy enough? Well, you know, people say that about Winston, but Winston's nearly 80 and he was still doing it, you know, so I don't know. I mean, it might be something that Judith Collins wants to look at. Uh, yeah, there's talk about Jerry Brownlee being the speaker as well, so it's all up in the air, really. All right. But but, uh, but I know the areas that people are interested in. Any final comments from anyone? Well, given that Winston has positioned himself very much as the economic nationalist and also a nationalist, as in the, the name of his party, New Zealand First, um, it would be good to keep him in the country to sort out exactly um, what Cam was talking about is from the Attorney General's perspective, um, that things that are consonant with our Bill of Rights, that would be a really good start. That's yeah. the expectation. There's a lot on Kara Maori. Let's be more than the sum of our parts. You know, let's not be fighting with all this madness in the world. Yeah, we want to be one people, one people, one let's law go. for all. That's I think that's better. a that's a good way to to wind it up this morning. A, a nice note. Okay, I want to thank Marty Gibson, Olivia Pearson, and Cam Slater coming in for this. Well, it's a kind of a pop up post vote vote count. Uh, political panel for this Monday morning. Thank you. You're welcome. You're Got very it. welcome. RCR with Paul Brennan. Reality Check Radio.